tonight baby is it nathan no it's, it's uh what's the word i'm looking for it's uh paranormal, okay yeah. yeah paranormal paranormal yeah yeah exactly <laughs> uh-oh i lost we lost your mic we lost everything it's, it's back now. acting paranormal yeah yeah the intro was so amazing it just like you know it went to the other dimension is what it did that's still gone, DJ. Yeah, still gone. Still gone. He needs a medium. He does. Uh, like a like. Wonder if there's a uh, like a paranormal uh, tech help. You know, like somebody you can call on the other side to help you with your gadgets and stuff. That would be pretty cool. I bet. <laughs> no, we still can't hear you. Uh, so maybe uh, maybe just reset. You know, do the whole reset, come back in, and and we'll get started and just jump back in. So, um, excellent. All right, so everybody, we got an awesome show for you tonight. Uh, we are very excited to welcome back, uh, or to welcome for the first time, Nicole Strickland to our show. Um, as we've talked about before, this is going to be the second time that we've done uh, a paranormal show. And the, and the first time was almost, I think like the second episode of Cav. So a very long time ago. So we've been doing the UFO thing. We've been now been looking at Bigfoot stuff and we want to dive more deeply into the paranormal aspects of what we would colloquially, colloquially call the para, the phenomenon. And so we thought no better way to do that than, than to bring uh, Nicole Strickland, who is a researcher, investigator, writer, podcaster, I mean, she does it all. Uh, she's also herself had a ton of paranormal experience uh, since she was very young. And so she's going to come on tonight to educate us. And so with that, welcome to the show, Nicole Strickland. Hi, Nicole. guys. Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor to be on your show. Great to have you with us, man. We're very excited about it. So um, I was listening yeah. to um, one of your episodes recently um, where you were kind of talking a little bit about how you got into the paranormal. And it sounded like it started just almost from the moment that you came onto the scene uh, into this world. So I was right. wondering if you could maybe just like set the stage for our audience, you know, tell us a little bit about your backstory and, and what you're doing now. Sure. So, you know, it's funny when I talk to people about this, I always say, you know, never, ever, Growing up as a child, teenager, in college, never did I imagine that I would be, as an adult, researching and investigating the paranormal. It just kind of evolved, I guess, as it was supposed to. So, you know, you always hear people ask that question, usually, what got you in the field? So for me, I've always had that, that interest in anomalous phenomena, even since I was really young. I even had experiences as far back as I can remember, about four or five years old. So I was born in Huntington Beach, California. And then my mom and dad and I moved to Las Vegas. And so it was our house in Las Vegas where I had 
some weird experiences, you know, seeing shadow figures and, and some uh, apparitions, things of that nature in our home. Mm-hmm. And so I just always had this interest in, in specifically ghosts and hauntings and, and the afterlife. And so that stayed with me. So I would read pretty much anything I could on it, articles, books, you know, back then there wasn't the internet and all of that. Uh, so then uh, fast forwarding to, and I'm trying to shorten this because I could go on forever, uh, going uh, fast forwarding to the University of Arizona. That's where I went to undergraduate uh, college. My maternal grandmother, Helen Lopinto, her and I mm-hmm. were extremely close. And so I'm going to try to shorten this a little bit. Uh, so she called me the night before she actually transitioned. And so mm-hmm. just being grandmotherly, I guess she wanted to know if I was okay. And I thought that was weird. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of think maybe she suspected that maybe she was going to pass on and maybe she was making the rounds just to make sure that her family was okay. I, I mean, I don't know. That's what I think. So I was talking with her on the phone and then about after about 10 minutes got off the phone, fast forward to the next day. My mom, her daughter, of course, called me in the afternoon and I could tell right away by her voice that something wasn't right. And then, of course, she said, you know, I love you so much, but uh, uh, grandma passed away in the early morning. And so, of course, I was devastated and I just got on the next plane out of Tucson, Arizona, back to San Diego, where I'm from, and then spent some time with the family. Uh, Helen never wanted a funeral, so we just had a very private viewing with her. So I spent a few days, and then after that, came back out to Tucson, Arizona, where the U of A is. And I started having weird experiences in my apartment that I I did not experience prior to her passing. But being that it was in an apartment setting, of course, my logical mind kicked in and tried to, you know, explain it away. Okay, is it vibration? And, you know, are my windows open? Things of that nature. But I could not come to a conclusion as to what was going on. So I started experiencing, uh, especially my front doorknob and then my bedroom doorknob, it would rattle Mm -hmm. as if someone was trying to open it. Now, weirdly, my grandmother used to go around at night in her house and she would check the doorknob. So I kind of made that connection, but not I didn't at that point think it was really her. Mm-hmm. So this went on for a couple of nights. And then one evening I was actually sitting on my bed doing schoolwork and I felt I didn't see anything, but I felt what what I what I felt is almost like a disembodied hand, kind of like like touching my face. And I, again, I couldn't see anything, but it felt comforting. It felt peaceful. So that's when I started to make the connection of, okay, could, could Helen be communicating from beyond? But I also thought too, here I am grieving my grandmother's death. I mean, am I projecting this? Mm -hmm. Am I psychogenically projecting this because of my grief? You know, I didn't know. So then a couple of nights later, I saw her full bodied apparition appear in my room uh, just, wow. it, it almost looked like she had a spotlight behind her and mm. she looked about 10 years younger in one of her favorite dresses. And she just stood there and it was in color and it was just very, very, mm. very vivid for me again, though, that, that was, that culminated into that. And it was very, very profound for me. But again, I was like, oh my gosh, is this actually a visitation from her or am I actually projecting this so I you know I called my mom and talked with her uh, and and we let Helen know that she's free to move on and you know she doesn't need to be worried about the family or anything and then after that the experience has stopped but that even though I had an interest you know going back many years that one encounter actually propelled me into investigating the paranormal Mm -hmm. 
mm. and the unknown. So I started shortly after that, and this was 2001. So I just started working with different uh, Southern California teams, and then uh, that led into uh, forming the San Diego Paranormal Research Society in, in 2009, actually. I think it was October of 2009. So, and since then, I mean, I've, I've gotten the opportunity to, to meet so many amazing people in the field, not just ghosts and hauntings and the afterlife, but people involved in, you know, ufologists and cryptozoologists and all of that, psychic mediums, you name it. And just everything kind of fell in place after that. You know, and then I started writing books and, you know, podcasting. So here we are. Amazing. I love yeah. it. I love it. And uh, the, you know, for folks that may, I mean, we've all, I think, had exposure to paranormal kinds of, uh, mm -hmm. you know, shows like in a popularized sort of sense. You mm -hmm. know, what's something about the paranormal that you think that sometimes most people get wrong, you know, that in, in how it's popularized in, in kind of media and things like that? Yeah, this is a it's kind of a, I guess, a contentious subject. But for, you know, and I that's fine. I, I talk about it for me. I'm I'm a little frustrated at uh, pop culture, uh, television, what what have you, almost portraying the paranormal spirits, ghosts, even other beings too, as something that we always have to fear. Something that you know it's just oh my gosh, all of this. It's you have to fear it. It's completely evil. So that's that's something that I I don't like at all. Uh, and another thing too is the tendency to sometimes over-classify certain energies so they're put in a box and there's this four-corner box and we don't really know everything about all of this. Mm. So over-classifying based on certain types of behaviors and things of that nature, so... That's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, and I know what you mean. I mean, if we... And, and I think I heard you talk about this too, that there's mm -hmm. often... Um, the, the, like the high entertainment value of the paranormal uh, that, w that they're kind of going for the thrills or sensationalization right. and in a way kind of losing what, what I get from you is this really meaningful human element to it. Yes, exactly. You said it better than me. Absolutely. And there is nothing wrong with entertainment and things of that nature, but I think there's missed opportunities uh, not to say that, you know, shows shouldn't or anything in the media shouldn't be entertaining. No, but there should be a little bit more of an informative type of educational element so you can bring in that the human component. So. Awesome. DJ, I think your sound is working well. Is that right? Yes, sir. I think that I think the mic got scared and went to mute on its own because when I pushed either that or someone that's let me just say this associated with Nicole made my mm -hmm. mic go to mute. <laughs> I did it. It's my fault. That's See what impressive. I do? See the problems I cause, you know? <laughs> I love it. We this, you know, it's like uh it's like that senator said about the what happened on the Edmund Pettus Bridge in Alabama. He said, this is good trouble. Get in mm -hmm. good trouble. You good That's trouble, it. Nicole. Yes. Um, I will say it's not the first time that I've been around electronics and they just kind of, you know, run off and do whatever they want. So no. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> anyway, um, what I wanted to ask you um, for our audience's purposes, because we have listened to some of your content and I got the answer to this question, although I have added on to it since I wrote the question. But could you explain to our audience, uh, some of which is like UFO based 
people that may not know, you know, very much about paranormal as I don't. Um, what is the difference between a ghost, a spirit, and then we'll extend that out to demon? Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, and again, this is just opinion mm-hmm. here based on talking with others, uh, my, based on my own experience and, you know, reading about it all. So, so, and it's weird because I'm even guilty of this using the word ghost and spirit interchangeably. Technically, there is a difference. Let me preface this by saying that we still don't have a hundred percent definition exactly what a ghost or an earthbound is and exactly what a spirit is. We think we do, you know, it's theoretical, but uh, again, we don't have that 100% definition. So a ghost or an earthbound, uh, most people like to use the word earthbound, are uh, energies of, of those human or animal that maybe have passed on, but yet haven't evolved necessarily through the ranks of spirithood. So they haven't um, uh, gone up into the higher levels of, of being spirit. So they're, for whatever reason, there's different theories. Uh, they're stuck here either by choice or uh, maybe they, especially in the case of like tragic deaths or, for example, suicides, maybe there's a, that state of limbo. And I know that's kind of a, a Catholic term there, but uh, a state of limbo where they're not sure whether or not maybe they passed on. Uh, it could also be maybe they, like I said, by choice, maybe there's, uh, they're, they're pulled by uh, grieving family members. They want to stay by the family. Maybe there's a, a, an object or maybe they're, uh, they're wanting to stay with their home, for example. So there's all kinds of different reasons as to why potentially uh, the energy of someone wants to remain as an earthbound. Now, a spirit and again, earthbounds and spirits can communicate with us in similar ways, and we can see them in similar ways. But a spirit is someone that almost has has that free will, isn't bound by the mortal plane, so to speak. And so they can travel to uh, the higher levels of spirithood and back should they want to. So just a higher, I think a higher level of consciousness, a higher level of intelligence, even too, for certain spirits. Now, demons, and that this isn't my specialty, but I, and again, some people may disagree with me. I, I feel that demons represent non-human energies that almost have that intent to cause malice or cause will or potentially possess uh, you know, living, living beings. So I think that um, there's, you know, much of a difference there. But, it, you know, in the paranormal, and this is some people may completely disagree, and that's fine. Uh, you know, everyone should have the freedom to express their opinions and all of that, and be respectful and open minded to others opinions. That's, that's my belief in this field. I, I do think that, again, going back to that, the uh, pop culture, uh, Hollywood uh, media, I think it overemphasizes demonic energy and makes it sound that gives off the impression that maybe the ghost of grandma, you know, the earthbound of grandma or grandpa, or maybe someone's brother that's coming is, oh, it's a demon. Everything has to be a demon. Everything has to be right. so scary and all of that. I mean, we know that this is common sense, right? So I, I see that a lot and that kind of makes me sad. I get a little sad when I hear, but you know, I don't, <laughs> I think so. I really feel that some people or a lot of people are starting to see through it now. I don't know how you guys feel about that or, you know, what if you have any input too on on thoughts about uh, demonic activity. 
I think this one is really deep. So, so I think we're going to be able to go a couple of rounds on this. Debs, go ahead, my friend. Yep. So um, I have a lot of questions, of course, because I actually um, used to study ghost quite a bit. And that was nice. my interest. Um, nice. But, but I, I've caught into this point with um, studying UFOs that brings me back to, you know, the study of ghosts and spirits and the afterlife. Mm -hmm. Um, over and over again, it seems to be that there's a correlation. And you've kind of touched on this a little, but I thought maybe you could expound on how your view of death has changed since you've been studying this. Excellent, excellent. Uh, I And it's interesting you ask me that question. I have an, up, uh, an upcoming book coming out uh, probably end of this March, end of this March, of course, of course, it's March, end of this month, uh, probably maybe more like the first week of April, I'm slightly behind. But that's called The Afterlife Chronicles, Exploring the Connection Between Life, Death, and Beyond. And in the last chapter, I kind of elaborate or basically elaborate on what, what you ask about how moving through the stages of grief and loss can really help you further connect with the energy of your departed loved one, whether it's uh, a human energy or an animal energy. So having this experience in the paranormal and, and knowing that when someone I love passes on and moves on that that's that they're not forgotten that the energy the essence of them their soul for example lives on and can still communicate there's still that you know the love never dies so death can come knocking at the door but it cannot you know disrupt the the bond that we and the bonds that we have with our uh, family and loved ones and animals so there's that knowledge of that and it almost eases. I, I know that at the time when, for example, my mom and dad pass, yes, I'm going to be grieving. It's going to be sad because I don't have them physically here with me, but yet their energy, their essence, what makes them them, that still remains, even though I can't necessarily see them or hear them all the time, if that makes sense. I'm going to tell you what, man, there's so many places uh, to go. And, and um, I, I feel like there's still a lot of meat on the bone with, with uh, mm -hmm. when you said about uh, that there is another, um, that the demon is perhaps a non-human intelligence. But uh, Nathan, let me pass it to you, sir. Yeah, I, I definitely want to come back on that. And, and before we come back to that, I, um, I wanted to expand a little bit on this, what we just talked about there. Um, one of the researchers in the UFO field that's really big in, in, in our circles is uh, a woman by the name of Leslie Kane. And you may be familiar mm -hmm. with her. She wrote a book called Surviving Death, and there was a Netflix series about it. Uh, and, you know, one of the things that is a recurring theme that, that at least I, I picked up on is that folks that are uh, really interested in the paranormal, uh, you know, tend to be uh, like highly empathic and caring kinds of people. Because what I get from 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 listening to what you just said and and from these other kind of anecdotes is there's this intense kind of human healing that needs to happen. Yes, uh, and and so much of the energy that is left is like this, as you pointed out that there's kind of an attachment or like a residue in in a way um, that is that is present in these paranormal experiences is is you know like looking for permission to be let go. Uh, or, or, or to, uh, you know, kind of make them feel at ease. 
And, and this seems to go back a very long time in, in human history. So I wonder if you could talk to that, the kind of the, the caretaking elements of paranormal work. Wow, this is a very deep thought out uh, question. I appreciate it because I often think that uh, in many ways, and un people may unwillingly be doing this, and maybe some uh, don't really care. You know, there's the, a difference between, uh, and I'm going to get to that, but there's a difference between someone who is desiring to be in this field just because they want to thrill seek and they want to emulate what they're seeing in horror movies and all of that versus someone who really wants to get into the nuts and bolts of what goes on in paranormal investigation and research and a really wanting to establish an, a rapport with the energies that we come across, whether it's a historical case or a private residence or a business, for example, so uh, this is, I think, where, where the whole respect and reverence of, of energies comes. And this goes, this expands to all beings, uh, not just, you know, ghosts and spirits. And I think if you have that, that connection or that, that it's, it's all about intention. I'm kind of going off in all kinds of different places because my brain's like, oh, not say this, say this, say this, that. Oh, God, I hate when this happens. Not at all. And in fact, I think we're vibing with you so hard right now. <laughs> are you? Uh, <laughs> Yes, it's like, ah. um, yeah. yeah, so, you know, it's all about intention too. So you have to kind of establish, okay, your, what is your intention for being in this field? Why are you in it? Do you want to just thrill seek or do you want to actually make a really established rapport with certain energies or beings that you, uh, come across in your investigations or just in, in everyday life? So, uh, there's that they're going back to that human element. I think uh, uh, for those people that are that are empathic, uh, I would say most of those people do have that pure intent to want to do good and to want to uh, kind of connect both realms. When I say both, I'm talking about you know earthly the earthly plane and the afterlife, but even other dimensions. I often feel that maybe there's a nexus between all these different dimensions, and there's some sort of connection there. I don't know what it is. But that's just something that I that I often um, think about. So, so you can kind of tell, and I'm going everywhere here. I know that uh, I, you can kind of tell when when someone is really devoted and dedicated from a from a, a genuine point of view in this field versus someone that just is in it for other more superficial types of reasons. So. Uh, yeah. So I, I kind of went all over there. I'm sorry. No, I'm going to tell you something. It's all Nathan can keep from doing to stand up and say, hey, man, sister, right now. That's what he's yeah. wanting to no, say after what you just so said. Good. So good. And, and it, you know, it made me re the way you've talked about it is really reframing the way that I think about it, because mm -hmm. so often we think about the relationship of the, the departed to the living mm -hmm. um, and how they're infecting, affecting us and and really what you're speaking to here is that the living are giving something to the dead. We are, yes. we are helping them the approach. Yes. yes. I actually think there's, and that's interesting. You bring that up because that is almost, if there's one takeaway point in my upcoming book on the afterlife is that, that both worlds are connecting with each other and they're also desiring to help each other. 
and kind of fuse together. Oops, excuse me. So I, I, we're seeing that more and more. And I, I can't explain the reasons why necessarily. I mean, one is, well, look at the world now. There's so much heartache and, and, and challenge and people are hurting each other. It's insane out there. So maybe that's one of the motives that, you know, maybe, for example, the afterlife and even other dimensions uh, are, you know, maybe that's the main motive there for wanting to, to communicate with us more. I, I don't know. But uh, there's definitely this uh, parallel, I call, I call it like a parallel connection between the living realm and other realms. So, yeah. Yeah, um, it's, it's so fun. I had a question with it, driving home today for all three of, or yeah, all three of you, four, yeah, three of you, because I'm me, so they're there's a total of four of us and I, can't, and I can't, I can't remember what it is. So this kind of tells you, uh, podcasters out there, stop the car, get out your, your, uh, virtual notepad and write down that question. Cause it was something that I wanted to pass through all three of you guys, but it may come to me during the discussion. It's, and it, what's interesting here, Nicole's, we had a guy on a couple of weeks ago, a Bigfoot researcher named Terry Wendell. And his uh, his website is called Rock Hill Bigfoot in South Carolina. Okay. And on the logo, it says respect between us. Oh, see that? So I love that. Mm. I knew. See, I knew. And, and it just, you know, what you said. And also, I heard your partner is his name, Todd, your partner. Todd Bates. Yeah. Well, yeah, we, we actually I, I've known him for years. We co-host Haunted Voices together. Haunted Voices. Right. And it's on radio in um, in San Diego. Yeah. It's at, well, it's his station and it's, uh, it broadcasts from, um, Robinson, Illinois. Oh, does it? Okay. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Yeah. There's just, there's a gosh, I think he has about like, like 18 or 19 hosts now, but some of us are on the West coast. We're, we're kind of all scattered, but it brought, I mean, it's his station. He lives in Robinson, Illinois. So I, I loved, you know, like he basically said, you know, don't like go out into the field and be like, you know, demand that a spirit appear for you. And, exactly. And, and as his, his guest said the same thing, it's, it's a respect thing. You respect them. They respect you. The guest said that Todd said that, and, and that really resonated with me. And, and I'm sure that's part of your approach. Would you like to yes. talk real quickly about your approach when you arrive on scene? Absolutely. So, time? yes. So, so, uh, pretty much if it's a scene of a place that I've investigated numerous times or uh, a site that I've never investigated, maybe I know about it. Maybe I don't. Of course, uh, prior to that, I would have, uh, you know, researched the property and things of that nature, uh, probably done at some point, some, uh, client interviews and, and all of that. So I would have started my, my, um, supplemental research of the property. But when I actually go on the property, there's a whole, I believe when, if people go on to a property and they just start investigating without any sort of introduction, I'm sorry, I don't mean to criticize, I'm not trying to criticize. That's not my method. I want to set the tone. And, you know, there is something, there's a difference between, um, I'm just going to say this and I'll, and I'll get to that. There's a difference between a residual type of phenomenon versus an intelligence. So residual is something like a psychic imprint. It's a memory imprint on the environment that doesn't have any sort of intelligent or conscious thoughts of the present. So it's not like you and I interacting right now. It's just 
uh, a memory imprint, for example, Gettysburg, if you go on mm-hmm. there and assuming they're not doing any reenactments that day and you hear a phantom cannon, that would be an example of a residual phenomenon. But for the intelligent sort of energies that are there and they are aware of their surroundings, they're aware of us and they can communicate. Yes, there's a whole opening that we do. We state our intent. We state why we're there. And something that we do, uh, as in addition to that, for example, before an EVP session or, or a spirit box session or an ITC sort of, uh, whether it's the Estes method or EVP session, ITC session, we will state, you know, introduce ourselves, you know, say, you know, we're, of course, state the location's name and the time and all of that. But we will say, you know, we would love to talk with you. You're not forced to talk with us, but we would love to learn about you and and hear your story. Uh, we're we're fascinated by this this location because of X, Y, and Z, whatever that may be. And we want to reassure you that we are here with respect. We come as friends and don't feel obligated to talk with us. And then we also say something like, you know, if, if, if you are speaking to us or communicating with us and we can't hear you, please don't think that we're ignoring you right now. It's just because we can't sometimes hear you with our ears. That's why we have all these uh, devices or we might say gadgets or contraptions or whatever. Uh, but uh, we also say, you know, if you'd like to telepathically communicate with us, that's fine, too. So we make it a very welcoming sort of environment. And of course, there's a whole setup phase. You know, you want to, you know, establish your home base and uh, set up certain types of equipment and all of that. But once everyone is ready to go, there's there's that state. There's an opening. Uh, there's a statement of intent, intent. And then there's grounding exercises. It is of my belief that no one should uh, necessarily, well, you could communicate with someone at your house, but if you're on an investigation and you're not in the frame of mind, maybe you're not feeling well, whatever, that's probably not a good time for you to be conducting that investigation. So there needs to be a, a sense of grounding, a sense of emotional, spiritual, and uh, physical grounding. So you're, you're, just at your A game before you investigate. So <laughs> I, Long I do it. Take an hour to answer no, that. Jeez. <laughs> no, I, I love that. Uh, I love that. I mean, I do it differently. I usually will go to the woods. I'll get in my bare feet and I'll say, Bigfoot, if you come out and come see me, I'm going to give you a better share of your 401k. See, what but, I, but I love that. that. Boy? <laughs> but that's no, creativity, though. I'm just kidding. I don't, I do, I do actually do the exact same thing you do. I'll, I'll get in my bare feet. Um, and I'll, I'll just, you know, state my intention that I just want to, I do it every time I go, I go big footing unsuccessfully, but I'll say my intentions here is just to learn about you. I'm not trying Mm -hmm. to invade your space and and cause you any harm or anything like that. So, but bring humor into it too. I think, you know, it works in some cases as long as as it's respectful. I say, you know, Nathan, I will mention 401k next time I'm in the woods. You never know. (laughs) Or possibly asking if he has PayPal, but Deb's go go ahead, my friend. Yeah. I just, I see so many parallels between these topics. Like it's Mm -hmm. ridiculous, you know, I know. Um, the telepathy, the there's something trying to talk to us. There's mm-hmm. multiple different things trying to communicate with us. Yes. Um, so do you think that says something about us as humans or the people who are going out there trying to have these conversations? Or do you think that 
is because this is you know even religion you know they're doing the same thing in religion they're praying and trying to engage and there's angels and all that so um why do why do you think that's happening like is it something that we used to know how to do is like what do you what are your thoughts on this yeah this is a good question and it does parallel religion in many respects so i i kind of think of when you think of the human body and you think of our nervous system and there's all these nerves and these synapses firing in all these different directions. So there's one person and then you have a collective group, maybe in the US or just pretty much spread out over the world that are going out and, and wanting to communicate with the beyond, I will say, and doing these sorts of investigations. So is there a possibility that maybe one person, let's say out in Australia, could be doing something do, or on an investigation and that may affect someone out here in the U.S. maybe on an investigation or something like that. So I, I there's, like I said, with these synapse, uh, synapses, that's kind of how I see it. Everything that we're doing individually, but yet collectively kind of influences uh, the rest of us, so to speak. And I, I almost think it's like one big giant battery and uh, it, it's it's like this giant capacitor, and then we're all charging it individually and as a group. And so that's almost pinging out into the atmosphere, pinging out into the different universes and galaxies beyond. Hey, we want to know you. We want to we want to learn about you. We want to communicate with you. And so that I think is what what could be fueling it. And then just another thing too, and I, and this is something that. Uh, I've heard other guests say, and that I've just talked about with friends and colleagues is the whole technological advancement. I mean, is there something with technology and that's kind of helping all of this to happen? I don't know. So can I, can I follow up on that real quick? I call yes, it, the, yes, yes, ma'am. I call it the cosmic internet. And I there feel like, mm -hmm. and I think with technology, we're trying to mm -hmm. capture the same thing that we're trying to do in all of these modalities right um, the technology is trying to do it for us in fact i think they're getting to the point where they're going to have ai do a lot of these things like try to reach out to the cosmos essentially Absolutely. try to reach out to the beyond yeah so. i love that and it's, it's like we're waking up something that may or may not have been dormant all this time maybe it wasn't dormant but we just didn't really have a way of seeking it or finding it and now we are so, you know, it, it, this is, I love these types of questions because it gets you to critically think about uh, this type of phenomena that's out there. And I want to, because uh, that topic also, I think we're, we're going to try to draw these three things together before the end of the show. But Jules is our chat monitor. She's in there. And this Hi, is her Julie. question for you. Yeah. I'll tell you what, man, you are so awesome, Nicole, already. Oh. I think we're just oh, like, my... we love you already. Oh, I love <laughs> you guys too. I know, right? Yes, it's like a... Yep. Yeah. We could feel what you're saying because if we were paranormal investigators and it basically took one a haunted restaurant bathroom for Deb to go running back to her, her seat in the restaurant. <laughs> but if we were, <laughs> we would want to approach it like you, if we were brave enough. And I don't know that we are. Um, so <laughs> Jules is asking what opinion do you have for spirit box devices versus EVP v uh, via recordings? 
Okay. Yeah. This is an excellent question. So, so let me just say, so an electronic voice phenomenon is not a disembodied voice. So an EVP is something that our recorders or recording devices, it'll capture some sort of voice or sound. If it's a sound, it would be an e, an electronic noise phenomenon, but an EVP, it's a voice or sound that we don't hear with our naked ear at the time. It's only, you know, in review of the audio that you pick it up versus a disembodied voice or an audible voice phenomenon. Uh, and then, so the ITC instrumental uh, transcommunication is essentially real time communication between us and whatever spiritual being we're trying to to communicate with. And so there's different devices for that. It ITC is a little bit more controversial just because people claim there's a little bit more subjectivity to it. So uh, if you're doing, for example, and there's different devices out there, but uh, for example, the PSB7 and PSB11 varieties are two common ones that people are are using nowadays. There's many others as well. Uh, but uh, for the sake of this, I'll just um, use the PSB7 and PSB11. Uh, so it what it does is it's, it sweeps nanoseconds of sound uh, as it goes through the bands of AM and FM radio. So it's thought that energies can use the frequency of that electronic scanning to somehow communicate and, and, and speak, whether it's uh, one or two words or a, a phrase, for example. So the difference, I, I use both methods. I use EVP and I use ITC. But with ITC, you have to pay attention to the subjectivity. And it has to be a little bit more controlled because if you're doing a session and then and you have a bunch of people around stating out loud, oh, I heard this, oh, I heard this, oh, I heard that. That's already, there's so much power suggestion and bias with that. So what we look for to try to eliminate that is we try to have people, when possible, maybe write down what they heard. Um, if it's something completely obvious that everyone heard, of course, that's fine. But what we look for is we look for, uh, is everyone, can everyone hear what's being said? and understand it or understand part of it is what you're talking about. So is the answer or to what they're saying or whatever word or phrase that comes through, is it, does it correlate to the, the history of that property or to the questions that the investigators are answering? And if that's a yes, then that's something to pay attention to. And then also if you get a word or a phrase that, uh, or a phrase actually that kind of, you can tell that the 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 device already scanned like eight or nine radio stations, but yet that whole entire phrase uh, kind of, I guess, developed over that, then that's something to pay attention to. So again, my main thing with it, and I'm long drawn out answer here, is that ITC, in my opinion, is a little bit more subjective, a little bit more, bi there's bias in it and all of that. EVP can be as well, even with the Estes method. Uh, but just good old classic EVP, I think is less you have you worry about less subjectivity with it and um less uh uh power of suggestion so to speak so i use both my advice is experiment with both and see what works for you and again it's location dependent too so if you're in a location that is known for a bunch of audio probably maybe experience or experiment with both so it just depends Nathan, yeah. it's easy to see why Nicole was like West Coast paranormal investigator of the year. Can I get an amen? 
Oh yeah, no, it's fantastic. Um, I mean, there's just so many directions I'm thinking of, of taking the conversation, but I, I oh, wanted no. to, um, I, I wanted to ask, this is kind of a broad question, but it, what's the sense that you have with the paranormal community um, about kind of the, the age in which we now live? And is there a, is there a particular energy that you're kind of picking up on? Uh, you kind of hinted at this earlier, I think, in the conversation. And I just wondered if you could kind of expound on this. Uh, is there a sense in which there's a shift happening in our collective awareness of this issue or a rediscovery, I think, is may maybe even kind of hinted at? What's your take on, on the time in which we find ourselves? But yeah, this is a very, uh, I love these sorts of questions. And here I go with my <laughs> mind going all over the place. Yeah, there, I, there, and I, you know, I think about this and there's some sort of energy shift that's occurring and I can't quite put my finger on exactly what that is. Uh, it seems that for some reason, this goes, I think, beyond the television shows, beyond Hollywood and all of that, uh, that whole cosmic shift going on i think that's there's something in the cosmos like i said and that's almost perpetuating this the, the paranormal phenomenon things of that nature uh oh my gosh let's see there's there's younger people coming in i am seeing this there's younger people coming i'm now i'm 43 so you know i just revealed my age but there's younger people young girl uh, Young girl. Oh no, gosh! I, I psh, man, I, I would just turn twenty-one. Where'd that go? Hello. Anyway, so <laughs> just let just left U of A. It just, it, it just. I mean, it just happened. What the? Now we're at. Oh my god. Oh, anyways. So I. So I'm seeing there's different almost generations now in the field, but maybe it's because we're more knowledgeable of field. And it's more in our infused in our society. But I think there's a little bit of a difference between the younger generation and the older. When I say older, maybe, you know, people in their 30s or 40s or older, uh, just intent wise. And, I, and again, I may be wrong on this. It's just and maybe it's that younger age that pays more attention to the paranormal being almost uh thought of as like one big entertainment venue for, you know, so I don't, yeah, it's a, this is a good question. I would have to think more on it, but there is some sort of shift going on. Like I said, I can't quite put my finger on exactly what that is, but you can kind of feel it. Mm -hmm, you mm -hmm. can kind of feel it. So I, I just, there's more, it's more infused and more people are opening up to it too. Right. So. Right. right. Yeah, Nathan so feels a sea change. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, Nathan. No, no, I'm just Nathan and, to you. It, it, these two uh, both feel that there's a sea change, and and they're looking at it from, I mean, from all three perspectives, but primarily from the UFO perspective. So it's kind of bouncing that question off you because you have, you know, tentacles spread all over the paranormal community. Are people seeing that we're in a moment that we've perhaps arrived at a moment that 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 we've not yet. Uh, yeah, so you just made me think of something. I, I I almost think we're at a cross now. Again, well, my opinion, take it or leave it. I think we're almost at a crossroads. 
and I'm not just speaking for the ghost research community or the afterlife community. I'm speaking for all the different subcategories of the paranormal, apparent paranormal. Hi, can I talk? <laughs> paranormal, <laughs> uh, paranormal field there. And it's, it's like we're at this crossroads that we're at, like we're onto something that could be a huge, massive discovery, but we could either go about it the right way or go about it down the path that can cripple us. And so that's something that, that that I'm kind of paying attention to. It's something there, but again, it's I can't really put my finger on exactly what that is. I don't I don't know if you guys have picked that up as well. I mean, we talk about it a decent bit, I think, because mm-hmm. the um, we've had uh, our, our kind of science has has taken us really far, and and it's given us amazing things. Yet we've also starting to we're, we're kind of coming up against some of its limitations, and we're we're coming mm-hmm. aware of some of its of its limitations, um, or at least we're becoming aware of how some of the core assumptions that we've held for a very long time aren't in fact correct, right? Um, which is which is generally the you know kind of it pretends that we're on the beginning of a change, right? When, when we're starting to realize that our models are not working the way that they, we think that they should, that mm-hmm. tells us that we're on the cusp of a discovery. Right. And, and right. that's what it feels mm-hmm. like with this topic and, and UFOs and all these kinds of things that, that they are reminding us that the models that we all thought were kind of like set in stone and everything was great. We're done. We figured this out. Those are in fact, correct like our assumptions are wrong and we've got to rework our models understanding of reality and incorporate this broader phenomena that is happening and 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 treat it with respect and 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 seriousness and not just trying to like brush it off as like well that's just another crazy story you know humans come up with crazy things exactly Yeah. yeah just another one of those weird things uh, you know, instead of instead of brushing it off like we have for the last many, many decades, I think mm-hmm. we're now kind of coming to a place where like, well, wait a minute. You're telling me you've had this experience. I've had this experience. Let's maybe take this seriously and not laugh it off as just kind of a fluke of the human condition or whatever. Right. I mean, that that's so eloquently said. And it's it's almost like it's in front of our face. You know, we're getting all these synchronicities and things of that nature. And it's begging us to pay attention. And so not everyone with going back to it's all about intention, right? Not everyone with the intent to really want to know what this is all about. Maybe someone's wanting to do this because they just want to get on TV. I don't know. But for those, for the people that like us that and and those in the in the chat that really, really want to have this genuine uh, understanding of what's going on. Yeah, I, I do think we're we're you said it beautifully. There's, it's just something like that's right in front of our face. It's begging us to pay attention. And when we do that, I I just, and I, maybe I sound a little mushy here. I don't know. I think something beautiful is going to uh, come from it. I do. This is why I love when people use the term known science or our science or known Mm -hmm. physics. Don't Mm -hmm. say, you know, that we are at the limit of physics or something. You don't know. You we just know exactly. what you know. <laughs> you know what human science and human physics, but mm-hmm. you can't know, you know, universal 
laws of physics that are you can't you just can't know universal. You can only right. know what you know what we've discovered on Earth. So I like when people are careful and they they use those terms because we it's yet undiscovered, it's yet codified, and even you've said it's not yet understood. You it's know, not. Um, it's it's not. So. I mean, we don't even know if we're opening up other intelligences or tapping into other types of technologies. Of course, that could maybe really give us the answer or give us some sort of semblance of, wow, wow, we thought that was right, but boy, it sure isn't, you know, it's, it's, there's so much more out there. And I, it's like, I, we're, yeah, go we ahead. About to, we about to dig into it, Nicole, cause I'm about, cause I want to ask, I want to get into the, but I'll tell you what, before we leave tonight, don't let me leave without asking you about 28 Days Haunted because I'm gonna, I'm going to ask you about that series. So what we got Oh, yeah. you know what? I actually I haven't seen uh, it. I know what it is, but I haven't seen it, so I don't yeah. I'm for clipped. <laughs> I, 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 I but anyway, <laughs> is really You good. guys have seen it, we can do. Yeah. I have, but uh, I don't even know if Debs and Nathan have seen it. But what I want to do, I want to go to Debs and go and then we'll go down to Nathan and to you with this this notion of demons and and something that Nicole suggested about a non-human intelligence. Debs, in everything that you've learned in all of your research and all the hours that you've thought about this, what do you think a demon is? Um, honestly, I think it's a semantic term covering a lot of different things. I know that sounds like I'm um, backing out of answering, but if you look at other cultures, they have different names for a mischievous spirit, like the jinn, right? Yep. Even like gnomes and gremlins there are mischievous little beings that are bothering humans or harassing them um so i feel and you know even in in like the more spiritual realm we have like poltergeist doing kind of mischievous things to humans also so i feel like you know i, I have a question mark on that <laughs> you mm -hmm. know like is there something that really is a demon or is it a whole bunch of things getting that label yeah. Okay. Let's let 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 me let me try to reframe it from a discussion Nathan and I had yesterday because there's a podcast that I'll send to you guys about exorcism, and it surrounds mm -hmm. the sort of experiences of uh, uh, Father Carlos Martins, who I believe in the the uh, Catholic the Catholic Church in this country. He is the I I hate to say the number one exorcist, but I believe they describe him some in in, in some manner. Uh, as as the, the the Catholic Church's preferred exorcist, so I will ask you, Debs, when this happens, and uh, Nathan and I discussed this yesterday, where um, he's trying to exorcise, he's doing his initial interview with someone who's potentially possessed. He doesn't know yet, and at one point he went behind the subject and took one. He said it was an eighth of a drop of holy water and flicked it on the person's back and they just started absolutely screaming uh with that you know that demonic deep growling voice that didn't sound like the individual himself so this sort of evil something and I'm characterizing it that way and forgive me just because I don't know exactly how to characterize it but that's how the the clergy characterizes it is able to at the invitation of an individual inhabit that body do you think that that's something that is another, uh, as as Nicole said, maybe a non-human intelligence, or or what do what what do you make of that? And then we'll go to Nathan. We'll go to Nicole with that question. 
that's a tough one. <laughs> like I, I can't yeah. help but like my psychology background comes up in this too. You know, I keep yeah. thinking like the water itself is not what's going to matter. Mm -hmm. It's the the yeah. fact that the person thinks that the water is going to hurt them is going to be a factor. Yeah. You know, like I I can't help but think that that's an issue too. So I mean, do I think that there's actual evil? from non-human intelligence or spirits? Absolutely. I can answer that. Fair enough. Nathan. Yeah, I, I think, uh, and Nicole, I really love the way that you kind of set this up earlier uh, that, it, and, and Deb, you hit it on this as well, but it's the kind of characterization that we give uh, to this energy or entity, um, you know, that we label it demonic because we, we associate it with it doing something harmful to human beings. Uh, so it's antagonistic to us, towards us, and therefore it's demonic. And we, we, and we have these kind of archetypes that we've inherited in the West of, you know, mm -hmm. demons are against us and angels are for us. And, you know, so it just gets bucketed into this demon character, uh, 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 category, category. Um, but I think, you know, kind of stepping back from that knee-jerk reaction to label it like that, it's it's more so just, mm -hmm. you know, what is the overall energy of this being, and mm -hmm. um, and what what is it, you know, trying to do? Um, you know, it has its own kind of uh, need in a way, it, just like right. we have a need, uh, and and sometimes those needs are not in alignment, just like. Uh, the needs of two friends may not be in alignment, right? Like right. Uh, you may want something and I want the opposite. Well, does that make you a demon to me? Well, no, you know, we're just going to negotiate, right. uh, you know, kind of our relationship in this way. Um, and, you know, in terms of the, you know, the holy water situation or, you know, the, the exorcist um, situation, I mean, humans, you can look through history. There are, there are lots of examples where there's, kind of a, a shaman type figure in the community who helps kind of transmute some of these energies that, that possess quote unquote people in the community. And the, and most other people in the community don't know how to engage or work with that kind of person, you know? Right. And so these shamans or priests, you know, they have uh, taken it upon themselves to, to uh, you know, in a way kind of commune, with these energies that the rest of us are just kind of like, well, I don't, you know, this makes me uncomfortable. I don't want to get close to this, but they're, but they're, they're leaning in rather than leaning away. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's those kinds of people that, that we need because what they do is they transform that energy, that, that situation. And, and they kind of help that energy, which is sort of stuck in a way, like it's mm -hmm. possessed in that person and allow it to flow away from that like it's, it's like it's blocked essentially and they're kind of unblocking it um and the violent reaction you know to to that holy water or what have you um you know is in a way i kind of look at that as like almost like the like the collective uh, unconscious awareness of, of what's happening in that individual to this sort of overall concept and there there's a revulsion to being to to like wanting to be set free because they're they're almost like in, in a way happy where they are but but mm -hmm. but they're but they're also not at home you know um so it's like hey you know you're I know you're happy and comfortable there but we kind of need you to move along um and that mm -hmm. can be uncomfortable for anyone right to be kind of <laughs> if, you, if you have a guest that stays at your house too long and you say look it's time to go they may not like you saying that to them but ultimately they know they need to leave yeah 
Yeah. yeah um, oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, go ahead. Go ahead, Nicole. I'll, I'll no, were you going to ask something? I was going to ask Nathan, like, if, if you go to Ben and Jerry's, like, would you be more prone to get, like, a cookie dough type of an ice cream or more like a, a coffee with a mocha chip type of an, an ice cream? Oh, man. A good, like, yeah, a good coffee ice cream is pretty mm, hard to beat. Sounds good. Now, a younger me would say cookie dough, but the older me is saying coffee, so. I'll go for ice cream with the mature Nathan, the mm -hmm. evolved Nathan then. Okay. Exactly. There we go. Um, <laughs> the other, <laughs> the other thing, and as I, I just want to uh, just add to the frame just a little bit for, for your answer on the same question, Nicole, that, that perplexed me that, uh, some of these exorcist report is a report and some people, a, an unnatural strength, like, um, you know, like a hundred pound woman tossing these 300, pound men across the room there's another thing about someone who's never learned a language and all of a sudden they're speaking in latin or there uh there's uh some reports of them speaking like in a a norse tongue that would be associated with the viking era or something like a language that they couldn't know or or their family and friends say they did not know this language so i have to add that into the mix to try to understand what's going on here yeah, you know, the whole concept of, of demons to me, I think is something that's misunderstood, not maybe completely classified according to what it really is. Uh, and I, this is just me personally, um, and I have a psychology background as too, not that that makes me more, you know, knowledgeable of it or anything. I'm just stating that. I kind of have a different take and, and I, and I'll, and I'll say this, that, you know, there's malevolent energy from people, from living people. Okay. So, uh, and even, uh, non-human energies, let's say, let's, let's just for the sake of argument, let's say that that's what a demon is. Um, and, in it has this intent to want to do malice and things like that. I do. And this is again, my own opinion. I do feel that we, we need to kind of think about the concept of thought projections and things like tulpas. So it's, it's when someone concentrates on a thought for so long, that thought can take its own life form. And so when you think about demons going back hundreds of thousands of years and in different cultures, beliefs and predispositions have been formed. And that's just kind of almost one big gigantic, if you will, it could be, thought formation. So again, in going back to what we were discussing earlier with the whole demon thing, people that that aren't really, whether they're religious or not, certain religions are predisposed, like Catholicism, for example, to uh, more fear ghosts and things of that nature. But let's say there are people that that don't have a lot, a lot of knowledge in the paranormal, or maybe they uh, haven't really had a lot of experiences. So they're, and maybe they're vulnerable, maybe they're a little bit naive, and they're watching a lot of uh, TV shows or movies or things of that nature. And they're seeing all of this evil and things that, you know, of that nature, horror, uh, whatnot, that's whether they realize it or not, that could be influencing them and influencing how they interpret the types of activity that they come across. So then you get into interpretations as well. So I feel, and then when you get into the, to human energy, how, 
out of all the percentage of, uh, I'm going to say, alleged demonic attacks that people have had, maybe they were, maybe they weren't, have those been extensively scrutinized and examined to rule out uh, any sort of psychological component or illness or any sort of uh, uh, psychogenic type of causing of the activity. Because I do think that uh, for a lot of these cases, oh, I have this in my house, I have that, and they think it's something extremely negative. I think in many percentages, they might be causing that type of activity. Maybe there's a certain family dynamic. Maybe they have some negative energy built like deep within that they're projecting outward. Maybe it's, you know, and I, how many case requests that, that we get and there's so many people writing saying, Oh my gosh, I'm, I have anxiety. I have this, I have a headache. I'm getting all these symptoms and, <laughs> and they're blaming, they're blaming the paranormal for everything. Now, maybe I'm not saying that paranormal activity can't, you know, or cause physical symptoms in people or psychological. Yeah, it can. But for most of these cases, a lot of people want to blame all of their issues onto the paranormal. Oh, the ghost did it. It's the ghost's fault. So, you know, there's all of this. There's so much involvement that I really think in terms of the whole demon thing, there needs to be a team of people that examine these people that are there that have these sorts of experiences because we just don't know if it's influence. Are they causing it? Is it some sort of, you know, psychokinetic thing? We don't know. I don't know. So it's, it's a, uh, it is a fascinating topic. I'm ready to go for another round of questions. So Deb, <laughs> fire away, everybody. <laughs> yeah. I just, I wanted to comment on that real quick. If I can, I just wanted to say, I feel yeah. like the same thing happens with the UFO topic. People are mm -hmm. always turning to the UFOs and saying, please come fix what we're doing wrong. And I'm like, <laughs> how about, oh. How about we, you know, take some responsibility? Oh my God! For what we've yeah, done. you know, it's it's kind of ridiculous. But I wanted to talk about that's you know, funny. It's true. It, this is yeah. It's it's just, so many yeah. scapegoats. It's crazy. But, it's hard. Um, it's crazy. So I wanted to comment on something that is shared on all of these topics: uh, Bigfoot, um, science, um, religion. Um, spiritual work um and of course in the ufos it would be orbs right there are, oh and, so I feel <laughs> yeah or, okay orbs. so okay i wanted oh and and also even fairy lore because orbs are like little fairies to some people so i wanted to comment on the fact that if you are interested in ufos and you go and try a different branch of the paranormal, you discover very quickly that there are things like spirit orbs. So, of course, it's like in the eye of the beholder what you're dealing with. So what do you think people could learn if they were more open-minded to studying all of the topics? <laughs> like, what are they missing? Because they're not paying attention to all of these topics at once. Oh, I just want to make sure. Um, let me let me talk a little bit about orbs first. So, orbs is a is a is a it's a fascinating subject. I mean, all us in the in the paranormal community, most of us are like, oh yeah, you know, ninety nine point nine percent of orbs, oh yeah, can be explained away. You know, they're mostly caused with digital cameras and things of that nature. Oh, it's dust. It could be moisture. It could be bugs. It could be things that lens flares. <laughs> whatever. 
So yes, most orbs, especially if you are using a digital camera and you produce orbs on your camera, most op most likely it can be explained away. There's the little, I can't even tell you how many pictures that I've had emailed to me from iPhone pictures with the little green dot. Okay, no, it's, it's a glitch with the iPhone. It's not a ghost. It's nothing like that. Now, now, if someone visually sees orbs, let's say they're at a, at, at a site and they visually with their own eyes see something coming out of the wall or uh, self-illuminated right in front of them, then uh, yeah, that, that could be interesting. So what I look for in orbs, even, and I'm not saying that some orbs and pictures might not be orbs. I just think most of them can obviously be explained away. But uh, some of the telltale signs that it might not be, you know, something logical or natural is, is it, is it self-illuminated? In other words, it's not being illuminated by the flash or Your by camera, you know, yeah. the camera, things of that nature. Does it have some sort of 3D effect? Is it moving in some sort of intelligent flight pattern? So is it, if it's a linear pattern, most likely it could be, you know, the way that the air is blowing in your house. If you have a window open, it's going to go in that fashion of the current and follow that. Uh, but if it's some sort of erratic flight pattern, then that maybe could be some people see faces that are very identifiable. Other people see uh, numbers. I've seen orbs with numbers in it. So it, it's, it's just... It's an iffy situation. I just think most of those can be explained. So just a little note on that. I have seen visual orbs with my own eye, and those those are quite interesting. And the ones that I've seen are very self-illuminated, almost, almost as bright as if you look up in the sun. Obviously not quite, but almost as bright as if you look up in the sun. So really interesting when that happens. So the second part of your question, can you ask it again? Because I'm not sure I understood okay, it so, or forgot see, like it. I yeah, I was trying to yeah. say that all all of these topics talk about orbs. And, and by the way, for scientists, it's ball lightning. <laughs> but right, um, right, I, right. for those yep. who are not aware, Spook, they call it ball lightning or whatever. Right. Yeah. But I just okay. I I want to know if people are looking into this, you know, uh, an aspect of this, but they're not looking at all of these different areas. They're missing out a big part of the story. Like, for instance, the orbs. So there for the spiritual area there's stories about like ghost roads where orbs follow people yes mm -hmm. so i feel like people who study ufos should know that <laughs> like they're they, that it's they're missing something so what do you think people could learn from studying all these areas so i, I there's so many similarities with uh cross-researching and cross-investigating these different areas. And so, for example, maybe you are looking at something into ufology and maybe you, that answer, whatever you experience or encounter or research that you're doing, you may uncover something that can be applicable to maybe uh, cryptozoology or, or, you know, the ghosts and, and spirits realm, hauntings, things of that nature. So I, I think it's a benefit to, to research all of the different areas and try to uh, put together uh, a list of either, uh, I, I wouldn't say no necessarily, uh, maybe because we obviously don't know 100% of, of all of this, but put together a list of some of the parallels and similarities between all of these fields. And then obviously you can make a list as well of some of the differences. 
So I, th I think that that's extremely important. But I mean, yeah, it's the whole concept of orbs. I mean, people should know that, okay, well, it could be it could be a spirit, it could be a ghost, it could be a spook light, it could be some sort of swamp gas, it could be lights from a UFO, whatever, you know, there's the whole uh, people see sometimes on train tracks. They might see, for example, the the phantom lantern of the train conductor who maybe had his head sadly decapitated, and you see that residual impression of the lantern, or you know, or, or some sort of ball of light, kind of swaying back and forth. So, you know, it crosses over into these other fields. I hope I hope I answered it. I know that's a that's a really good question, though. I, I've all well, think about that. Yeah, I was going to say <laughs> Go ahead, like, one of the, one of the things that came to mind when I was. One of them, this question came to mind was that, you know, people could try using the spirit box with non-human intelligence or Bigfoot, not right. just not just spirit. So that's exactly like why, why yeah. I was asking that. Like, who's tried that? I've not heard that. Everyone channels in all of these topics. Everyone is trying to channel. But is everyone using the same tools? Wouldn't it be helpful if we put our heads together and did? <laughs> Uh, that's that's I a will, good point. That is such a good point, and not not every gadget or piece of equipment is going to be a, necessarily applicable. I I I'm in. This is I'm just not going to talk to you long on this. I'll just say it's my opinion. I could be a billionaire, and I still wouldn't own all the gadgets that are out there today. I think less is more, and uh, us ourselves, our human senses, and our energy. We are the. There's no such thing as a ghost detector, and so we are our best. I guess, sense and piece of equipment mm -hmm. out there. So, but anyways, sorry, you were going to say, were you going to say something? No, I was going to say, I'll ask Kathy Westerman of, um, she's out of Ocala. I saw her do the dousing rods out in the forest uh, when we we're looking for Bigfoot. Um, ah. She was a paranormal investigator prior. So she has some equipment. So I'll ask her if she's tried any of that. Um, she does have a pretty damn good photo. But what I wanted to tell you, Nicole, before we go to Nathan is that I have heard not one, two, or three. I've heard dozens of Bigfoot experiencers. These are the people that go, you know, in some cases quite deep into the forest, miles off the from the trailhead. They camp and have had orb experiences where mm -hmm. you can rule out a lot of the prosaic explanations for lights right. that we might experience in suburbia, you know, or in the city even. So, I mean, you're out there in the pitch black forest and you see something glowing red. Um, I mean, if you watch Missing 411, The Hunted, um, mm -hmm. and you get to uh, the fourth story on there about uh, Ron Moorhead and, and his guys up there in that uh, camp in California, where they see not only orbs, they see something that looks like a lightsaber <laughs> flowing through the forest. I mean, that just gave me chills just watching the reenactment of that. So, but that's to make a long story short. Yeah, people are seeing orbs in places where um, it's not quite as easy to explain away because one of the things about being in the forest is it is dark. When you, know, oh, you yeah. have a good canopy over your head and you're out there at night, it's dark. So oh, yeah. uh, let me go to uh, Money Nathan and uh, for, uh, and I'll get one more. And then if, if there's any final hits and then we'll we'll do cabbie goodbyes. Yeah, sounds good. Um, you know, one of the things we've talked about uh, in, on our show and, you know, in our private conversation as well is kind of how lucky we are in the UFO community to have mm -hmm. the government now officially taking it seriously or being more yes. open about yep. UFOs and UAPs. Um, and I know that in the history of the paranormal, uh, many of our kind of notable uh, like government 
figures or uh, notable scientists from the 19th century were really into the paranormal. Like uh, mediums were really a huge thing back then. Yeah. Uh, seances and that kind of thing. And I'm just curious, uh, you know, in the paranormal community, um, is there any, uh, you know, both maybe frustration, but are there any signs of hope that from a larger kind of consensus uh, perspective that that paranormal activity is getting it, being taken more seriously in the way that you know UFOs are are now kind of having their day. Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think again, you have to who who you're talking to and what what their involvement is in the field. If you're talking to a dedicated a veteran researcher who spends the time to do all the different types of research into the paranormal. Uh, they might have a different answer versus someone that, you know, is maybe new to the field or just in it for, you know, thrills and chills and they don't care about anything else. So uh, I, the people like myself and, 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 and you guys and, and, the, and the folks in the chat that uh, take this seriously and really want to try to, to dig into to the discoveries, if there are any, hopefully there will be more discoveries in the future, uh, yeah, I, I I do see people taking it more serious and wanting to uh, really try to dig in and see if there, you know, we can uh, discover some answers to it or maybe more theories or things of that that nature. And that's it. Kind of parallels to the whole researching all the different subtopics of the paranormal as well, and and consulting with those in the, you know, the ufology community or the cryptozoology community and, and hearing what they have to say. So, uh, and to answer your question, yeah, but it's the pe the people that are going to give you a more, uh, I think honest answer on that are the ones that are really, really devoted to the field. And then those that are just kind of in it where oh, I just want to go walk around a cemetery at night and just see if I can see a ghost and that's it probably won't have that deeper observation that, uh, us will have, if that makes sense. Great. Thank you. Um, so I have a friend, uh, our friend here, Scott Gearin is here. Um, he has some, some real good UFO videos. And by the way, <laughs> his place in, 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 in Minnesota, uh, Nicole, he showed us Bigfoot tracks. Uh, and there was, I don't know how many feet of snow were in his yard, but probably about four because his Ford Raptor looked like it was half buried. Um, oh my God. He, oh, wow. he has a, yeah, he lives near like a state forest. Uh, his oh, property so borders nice. that one of those, right? He has a Bigfoot howl, um, that associated with a video. It's like him walking outside his house and you hear, you know, I can't even, Oh my God, that's amazing. It right now. It's a, it's a, it's an awesome howl. And then he has some tracks. So here's Scott Gearin's question for you. Have any orbs set off any motion detectors on your cameras? Good, good question. So on, on the investigations that we've done, no, actually, no, we have not had any of those. We actually had an interesting private residence case. Oh, I would say about maybe eight years ago. And so this woman, she lives up in Fallbrook and she had this large home and it was used um, kind of as a, a, a caretaker facility. And so she had all these different, um, you know, IR surveillance cameras. And so she kept seeing these orbs. And so she contacted us and we were able to determine that, you know, most of the orbs are, are caused by, you know, certain things, dust and things of that nature. And we even 
replicated an experiment for her that she could do by turning on her phone light and looking at the little specks of dust and things of that nature. We even watched the camera with her and we were pointing out and explaining what those are on her camera. But no, I've never actually had any case where we've actually, where it's actually set off anything that I know, that I know, no, because it would be on video. No. I mean, we've had motion detectors going off, but uh, specifically on video. No, that's a good question. That'd be really cool if that happened. That would be, that'd be interesting to get something like that on camera and then have that, you know, security alarm going off and things like that, or motion sensor alarm going off. I mean, that's two pieces right there of the puzzle that connect, right? So that's it, man. Yeah. Um, I was going to ask you, um, is there a, when you're on an investigation, I actually have two questions for you, but let's get the first one out of the way. When you're on, uh, on an investigation, is there a moment when you say I'm done or I got to get out of here? Is there a, a certain circumstance or, or feeling that you get when you're like, okay, it's time to close up shop? Yes. Uh, two instances. So if, we as the investigators are really starting to feel physically tired and mentally drained after, you know, four hours because it's intense going in there. I mean, Mm -hmm. doing these eight hour investigations, case studies are better because you have uh, time over the course of weeks or months to really research that location. But if you're granted an opportunity to do like an eight hour or four hour, that's fine too. But really what can you tell just from those that short amount of time, not really much of anything really. But yeah, so if we're tired uh, physically or mentally, uh, that's a time to call it. Sorry, my clock's going off. But also if we're getting the vibe or or general um, impression from the energies there that they're done. Absolutely. If, if, if we go in and we ask, is it okay that we're here? And, and we get a concrete definitive answer of no, we will most likely leave. Um, or if it's just sometimes if it's like, is it okay if we talk to you right now? And they say no, well, maybe we'll just switch to doing a vigil or something like that. But there have been a couple of times where we've received some really uh, compelling answers of no on, you know, like j- we just can feel it. They don't want us there. And so then we'll leave. So, yeah, good question. We have uh, about 12 minutes left. Uh, is there an, a, an investigation that comes to mind that you would like to tell us about that, that uh, probably would scare the hell out of us or something? No, but uh, honestly, just anyone that you would want to tell us about. Oh my gosh. Well, there's so many, but I'm going to, sh- I'm going to share this because it touches on some very important elements that are sometimes overlooked. Mm-hmm. So this was 2010. And so of course, I'm in San Diego, California. And so Oceanside is about 30 minutes north. There is a, a known restaurant up there called Hunter Steakhouse. And it's actually built over a Native American burial ground. Uh, and I, be- I believe the if I, gosh, I have the history of it in, in one of my books, but I believe that some of the 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 graves were were desecrated in the building of the freeway and things of that nature. So we were there one night and we had broken up into teams of two. So three and three. One team was upstairs. Another team was downstairs in the bar area. That was that was um, my group. And so we were about an hour or so into the investigation when all of a sudden, and then you have your two way radios, 
So one of the investigators from upstairs radioed down to us saying, stay where you are. This place has just been robbed. So, of course, we're like, all right. We just sat there quietly and we found out that, you know, the cops came on the premises. Uh, oh, my gosh, it was a big thing, like three or four cops. There was a helicopter flying overhead. I guess two armed men came through the kitchen. And so they had guns and everything. So that was scary. Wow. Luckily, yeah. you know, nothing happened to us or anything. But it's it brings up two points here. One, always have some sort of, of emergency plan uh, set in place. Um, also your, your permission form and your liability waiver, make sure you have that signed by the manager or the owner, whoever, whatever place you're investigating, have that. Cause the cops, we showed them that and we explained who we were and they just had us stay there in case they needed to question us. They didn't. And, and they let us go, but yeah. So have those emergency place or plans set in place, whether it's for earthquakes or fires or injuries, um, have pe at least one or two people on the team specifically any, every, let's say you have a, a group of five or 10, doesn't matter. At least one mm -hmm. person that comes on the investigation out of the entire team should be CPR and VLS certified. You know, I've heard cases. One of my friends actually was on an investigation at night and she tripped and broke her ankle. So survey these locations in the daylight where you can see and map out the place and kind of notate possible, you know, dangerous spots and things of that nature. But that was scary. I mean, we were lucky Definitely, that man. We, we, yeah, I mean, that's, that's like unheard of. You don't hear about that too often, but my gosh. So I thought you were going to say the robbers were ghosts, but, uh, Deb's uh, do you have anything I final wish, for, for Miss Nicole? I, wish, I yeah. wish they were my God. Actually, I've, I've, I was really curious, um, going back to Leslie Kane's work. Um, she spoke about physical evidence, um, um, like a plasma almost that some mediums were able to emit. Uh, and since you've done so much work on this, I'm wondering if you've heard anything about that. Are you talking about like the ectoplasm, like during the mm -hmm. spiritualist movement? Yes. Yeah. Oh gosh. The spiritualist movement is so fascinating. And it was also, uh, seeped in fraud as well. So, uh, a lot of the said ectoplasm that these female mediums were, uh, said to produce, Gosh, they found out that it was it was like cheesecloth and all these various different substances uh, that they used to to fake this sort of thing. So, um, yeah, I, the spiritualist movement, I think in many ways it fueled modern day paranormal research. I mean, it, that's basically why the Society for Psychical Research was formed uh, and is still today. And it's really the 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 uh, hallmark of how really investigations should be done. There's a lot of good information in, in the SBR, but yeah. Uh, so spiritualist movement was, is very fascinating. You really learn about uh, if you break it down and, and study it, you can see how, how the fraud was kind of caused and produced and how, you know, bias and suggestibility and all of that played into the whole situation. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. I'm going to tell follow you what, up on that. Oh, sorry, go ahead. Go ahead, brother. Well, I was going to ask about uh, ports, um, which it, it kind of ties into that a little bit. But it's um, and we had the uh, Navajo Rangers on the show uh, a few episodes oh, yeah. back, yeah. <clears throat> and they had shared a story with us about uh, ports uh, where they had coins that were coming out of 
just nowhere <laughs> then falling That's so cool. on the ground. And they were like all heads up or something. I figured there was something really unique about them. Um, and uh, I was just curious if you've, you know, heard similar kinds of situations, but not with coins, but with any, you know, objects. Yeah, I've never had anything personally for me, but I've talked with others that have experienced uh, coins or jewelry just appearing out of nowhere. And so it's, it's, you know, it's fascinating. I don't, I don't know if there's a connection with portals there. Mm. Um, and, and yeah, the, the whole apportation process is uh, pretty intriguing, but yeah, I haven't had that happen to me yet. So mm. yeah, well, yeah. as we pointed out on the show, if it does happen, make sure you collect it, take it to the coin <laughs> laundry. Uh, right. you know, yes. They're just doing you a favor as far as I can tell, you know? Yeah. yeah. Also the those toll. machines that dispense water, a lot of those water machines, you can put coins, get you a gallon. So very, very valuable, useful. man. I don't mm -hmm. think the paranormal Rangers really took stock of how awesome it was. They were getting all this change. Agree. You know, uh, how much did they get? It was a pretty oh, good amount. He's bags. And, <laughs> and he said it was still happening to him, which I thought was interesting. Bags. I haven't yet watched. I'm sorry. It's on my cue yeah. list. There's no, so no, no. It's, on a, cube, it's oh all good. God. But yeah, it was fascinating that bags um, of it. Oh my God. Yeah. They, they collected evidence bags. I don't know how many, like, I don't know what the total was. And uh, it was U.S. coins or was it a different? So, yeah. Yes. Oh, my Quarters. gosh. Yeah. It, I, I, it, that, that just freaks me out because you can't, there's no way to really explain that. But I'll, but no. two things, two things I want to say. One thing is, um, we def, we want to have you come on and, and, uh, guest co host with us for oh, an episode. So I'll, sure. I'll, I'll coordinate with you yeah, on what type, of, yeah, what type of guest you want to, you know, that you want to, uh, interview with us. And if we get the paranormal rangers on again, we'll definitely uh, have you on because I was messaging Jonathan the other day that uh, he's he's a little bit more well known because Stan is still working. Mm -hmm. But um, a Navajo gave me some uh, uh, would you call those photos of petroglyphs? Is that what you call them? Oh, Nathan yeah. Those Debs. Are, oh, those are nice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yes. And, the, yeah. and then there's was a possible UAP in there. So basically mm. I gave them to Jonathan to say, Hey, what's the origin of these petroglyphs? And he named the tribe and so, and, and around the time frame that they would have been created. So, uh, I got to give this to a Navajo friend of mine who's like, Hey, what's this man? I'm part of the New Mexico Navajos. That so, is anyway. so awesome. Wow. That's yeah. Cool. So we'll, we gon' we gonna get you on again because you're awesome. And I want to hear about some of these investigations uh yeah. so we, we will get you on again okay this was so much so. fun thank you guys so much for this there's that there's a camaraderie yeah you, you can yes, feel it when you go on shows whether you're a guest or you're hosting so yeah thank you so much i appreciate Wait. the thoughtful questions all of it you guys are awesome you're gonna get three goodbyes so this is not the first <laughs> one. we got to start with deb with cabbie goodbye so go ahead debs <laughs> Yes, thank you for coming and talking to us all about um, the phenomenon. And I just wanted to point out that hopefully conversations like this will take the para out of paranormal and make there you people go. start to recognize it's part of the human condition. Thank you. Thank Amen you. to that. Mm -hmm. If, if yeah. there's a secret psychology handshake, I don't know if you guys have that. It's a mental yeah. one. It's a mental one. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> Oh my gosh. That's so true. No, I, I, I mean, just to echo this, I mean, look, there's something uh, deeply meaningful about the work that, that you're doing. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that it's it's not just about the deceased. It's about what's happening here and there and yes. um, and the connection between the two. And we have such yes. a poor relationship with death in our culture that uh, this is a way of redeeming the the dignity in death. Um, Absolutely. And uh, so not only that is important, but just the, the work that you're doing generally is important. And I think uh, there's many in our field that can learn a thing, uh, many things from from folks in your, your field. And so oh. really grateful to have you with us and uh, look forward to, to further partnerships. Absolutely. Oh, my gosh. Absolutely. What you're doing is phenomenal. I, I love the, the way you approach this. Your viewpoints, everything just aligns so beautifully. So thank you for mentioning that. That's that's very important. Brings a smile to my face. Here, here's your third cabbie goodbye. And you're lucky because sometimes we have six people on here, so you get six goodbyes. But um, I love it. I love it. But, <laughs> but um, what I want to say is that um, we really appreciate uh, what you're doing. We we endeavor to try to bring the three communities together: the Bigfoot community, the UFO community, and the paranormal community. We see mm-hmm. them all as one. Um, yeah. You have such a, a beautiful, bright light about you. Uh, and the way that you you treat the topic. Um, oh, yeah, that that, and, uh, that I'm gonna seriously start crying. That means so much. Like I swear. No, we're not. I, I, don't, I don't. I don't want to make you for Clempo, but uh, I do want you to tell people uh, about where they can find your work. You have six books out, I believe, at least six, maybe more. Uh, plus uh, the the radio show and your podcast. Please tell everybody about it. Yeah, so you can find me. So my my regular website is authornicolestrickland.com. And then my team's website is sandiegoparanormalresearch.com. It is in need of a new redesign, I must say. And then, of course, on Facebook, uh, I have different pages. So Nicole D. Strickland is my main one. And then I have uh, Author Nicole Strickland, Afterlife Chronicles. And then my team's Facebook is the acronym, so SDPRS. I'm on Twitter, of course, SDPRS, Nicole, Instagram, author Nicole Strickland. And uh, books that you can find uh, online, pretty much all of the online retailers. My Queen Mary books are also sold on board the Queen Mary. The Queen Mary? So, yeah, on board the Queen Mary. So that's pretty cool. And then uh, let's see, my San Diego's Most Haunted is also sold in some uh, stores in San Diego as well. And then uh, let's see. Oh, uh, podcasting. So, yeah. So Todd Bates and I, we co-host Haunted Voices Radio. It was on Tuesday nights. It's now on Friday nights. So 8 Pacific, 10 Central, 11 Eastern. And then my show, The Afterlife Chronicles, it's on hiatus. Same network. Uh, It was on Thursday nights at 6 p.m. I'm actually um, on hiatus still. So I'll probably be restarting my show sometime in maybe May or June. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, that's about it. That that is awesome stuff. We will have uh, all your stuff in the show notes. I'll be busy uh, typing that all up into the show notes. If you'd like to uh, find Nicole, uh, you will see her back on here as both guests and as guest co-host. So, oh, that'd be so um, fun! Thank you so much for having yes, me, guys. Ma'am. This was awesome. Thank you so much. So for Nicole, for Nathan, for Debs, this is DJ saying peace out, one love. We'll see you down the road, and as always. We're wondering what's up around the bend. There you go. I love it. Awesome, guys.